11. Okay. Yep. I'm done recording. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tabitha Valerie, and today's episode is part one of a two-part series on infertility support. We've touched on this a few times in the past, and each time the response has been overwhelming from listeners, knowing that infertility occurs for one in six women. So we wanted to take a new approach with the incredible founders of My Mind Body Baby to focus on the mind for part one. Michelle Strong, nutritionist and best-selling author, and Lindsay Clabby, MBA, certified fitness instructor and patient advocate for Fertility Matters Canada, founded My Mind Body Baby after both going through struggles to conceive. They quickly bonded over their shared experiences and leaned on exercise, good nutrition, natural supplementation, and various stress-relieving practices to empower themselves and take back some control, ultimately paving the way to create My Mind Body Baby to help other women lean on a trusted resource and find answers too. My Mind Body Baby now offers fertility-focused meal plans, infertility treatment, specific exercise guides, and mental well-being tools, and they're so good that many fertility clinics are now using their programs. So today, they're guiding us through the importance of the mind while trying to conceive, the realistic toll it takes, the scientifically-based evidence on the role your mental health plays on conception, and tips on how best to manage your mental muscle. Welcome, everyone. That was a killer intro. Wow. <laughs> wow, guys. Way to, way to make uh, some, what is it? Turning uh, lemons into lemonade? Whole- yeah, I'm so good. Fertility clinics are now using my programs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Um, yeah, no, it's so good for you. Um, both to be here and um, really what a privilege. I just was thinking about setting the stage for what's going on in our minds when going through something like this, right? The toll it can take and how occupied your mind can be while while trying to focus on your career and other important matters in life. Can you speak to us a little bit about maybe even your personal journeys and how we can think about this concept of the mind? And infertility. I struggled with infertility for about two years. And there are people that struggle for far longer than me and far less. So, you know, there's no real timeline that anyone would struggle. But, mm-hmm. you know, everyone responds to it a little bit differently. And it can be for some a very, very overwhelming process where it you know, completely takes over your lifestyle. So for right. myself, when I was going through it, I was a nutritionist practicing privately at the time, and I had to scale back on patients because I was into a fertility clinic so many days of the month having ultrasounds and appointments and injections and blood draws, and it's very, like, physically demanding from that standpoint. Hmm. Um, you're You're just there all the time, and then you're on phone calls and you know, but the mental piece for me was tough, um, far tougher than the physical aspect of it, because, you know, and a lot of women who go through infertility can attest, it's that waiting and the uncertainty. So for me, those two elements really took me by surprise. And they also took over me, my, my mind, essentially. Right. Well, so, I think what's you know, interesting is you're kind of touching on two things. Like, 
there's the there's the waiting for information and results and um, there's that piece. But then like you're saying, you, you've got so many appointments and so many physical things that you have to tend to that that naturally is also going to take up capacity in your mind. So really? there's just all of a sudden this new thing that's taking up, it's almost like a part-time job, right? That's oh like my God, yeah. So much of your physical and mental ta- time and energy that, you know, I, I'm sure that while you're sitting there at work, you're also thinking about these things. So there's this element of like, you're just your mind and your attention constantly being divided and split. And I think for a lot of people, just the uncertainty of the whole process is, it's extremely taxing. You know, that it's that two week wait between, you know, when you try and when you wait to see if you got a positive pregnancy test, or it's the waiting for the next cycle to begin if it doesn't work. And it's just, there's so many different, um, times where you're just kind of sitting there going, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, let's keep going here. And, and it just seems to drag by and, you know, that too, just that waiting and the, will this happen? And am I going to be a parent? Um, takes a huge toll on your, on your mind. For sure. And there's also this spiritual component like that I'm thinking about here in that, like we have this idea, like as we sort of start to get older and start to work and we have so many things on our plate, we start to believe, like I have started to believe that things work out if they're meant to work out. Right. So then it's on your mind when it's like, is it going to work out? Is it not going to work out? Is it meant to work out? And all of these facets and all of these layers play a part on how, um, impressionable we are to the outside world for mm-hmm. a particular time of time period, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's insane how, how much it sort of occupies all those different facets of your, of your brain. Right. Um, and then, and then not only your brain, but then, as I just said, you know, that stress that it places on your body and your mind then, then reflects in your physical being, you know, right. so at the time I then started, you know, becoming very lethargic and tired because I was just, you know, my, my brain was working overtime. I was experiencing right. anxiety. I was experiencing right. like gastrointestinal upset, which are classic signs for me of stress. So like not only then is your mind so occupied and then you're physically being poked and prodded and all that kind of stuff. And then you get all these other symptoms that are kind of byproducts of that stress response you're having. So it's, it's right. very, very encompassing. Right. Well, I'd love to actually dive into a little bit more of that um, because I'd love to understand, you kind of were naturally taking us there, that I'd love to understand a little bit more about the benefits of taking care of your mental well-being. Like, obviously, we know we should be taking care of our mental health, but trying, really connecting that to trying to conceive and what you guys have learned and what you know about this. And it might seem very obvious, but you've really been able to identify and help quantify the benefits of really looking after your mental well-being while you're trying to conceive. So maybe can you tell us a couple more, a couple things about that? Yeah, they've done um, research looking at women going through fertility treatments and partaking in mind-body programs, and they've found a benefit not only they found three different benefits. So not only does it improve, um, you know, your positivity and your outlook, it helps people to stick with their fertility treatments longer. So ultimately, it helps to increase pregnancy rates because people are willing to stick um, with the treatment or go through another cycle if they're able to manage the physical and the mental aspect of going through fertility treatments. 
Um, and so then, you know, that benefit obviously of maybe going through another round or investigating what potentially could be an issue if something didn't work the first time does help to increase pregnancy rates overall. So there is significant benefit, um, not only in the short term to making you feel better, um, in, in finding the tools that work for you to manage the stress and anxiety that goes along with fertility treatments, but then there's that long-term benefit too of hopefully enabling you to become pregnant and carry to term and have a healthy baby and grow your family. Um, it took my husband and I a number of years before we were able to have our first child, and I'm kind of a controller. I like things under mm -hmm. control. And, you know, I had this plan. We were married for five years and we wanted to travel and then we were going to have a baby and it was perfectly timed with when I had started a new job and <laughs> when mm -hmm. I'd be able to announce the pregnancy in the <laughs> workplace and nothing went to plan. And right. to me, that was so frustrating in and of yeah. itself. And then, you know, to be thrown into the roller coaster of fertility treatments where, you know, at the beginning of the cycle and with a new treatment, you're um, hopeful and you're optimistic and then you start to get bad news and you come crashing down right. and it's just month after month of this roller coaster one of the yeah. women in our community described it like being in an ocean where you just kind of you think you're about to stand up and catch your breath and another wave just knocks you down again um, or another woman used a great example I thought of jumping on a trampoline with others and everybody else seems to be able to get their footing and is jumping up and down and you're just like <laughs> flopping there on the bottom of the trampoline yeah. and yeah. it's exhausting yeah. you're struggling to try to stand up and keep jumping and you know it seems like everybody else is doing it so naturally and here you are flailing around yeah. <laughs> um so we eventually had to turn to IVF and during that first round of IVF I didn't tell anybody at work what was going on and you know, you're juggling all the balls that you normally have to with a busy life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then you throw in what you mentioned as a second career. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to maintain this professional front at work. Meanwhile, you know, you get the call at 2 p.m. about your blood test results or um, mm. that morning's ultrasound scan. And you kind of have to like cry in the bathroom, <laughs> pull yourself together and go into the next meeting. That's right. Um, and it's exhausting and it's horrible. Uh, yeah. The second time we went through IVF, I decided to tell my manager. I happened to bump into a coworker at the clinic. So then I realized there was somebody else going through <laughs> yeah. the same thing oh, that I wow. was. And I had her wow. to talk to and to open up to at work when Amazing. something wasn't going right. So at least somebody else got what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And it made such a difference. And some people are very open with their journey. And to them, that helps with the mental fatigue of everything. And others right. hold it very close to the, their hearts. But um, I learned that you need to have a few other people to, to lean on. Um, in different areas of your life. So I told right. one of my friends, I told somebody at work, you know, my husband and I were open with our immediate family and just having that support in the different areas of your life um, That's right. can be a, a big relief and an outlet for you to be able to talk through the challenges mm -hmm. um, because it, it is where so, you're at, you know, yeah, like, all consuming in your feeling. mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay was that person for me when I was going through my journey. She... Okay was that person that I, we spend like all day texting back and forth and I would be able to ask questions. And I felt so much more supported just having somebody to, you know, confide in with those like scary thoughts that I was having. So it was like, uh, you know, we love the whole support side 
the whole mental aspect of fertility because it's not just the injections and the, or, you know, or, or the cycle monitoring or whatever it's, it's, it is, you know, your, what your mental side, your physical side is, it's not just one thing. Right. Right. You know, and I, I think it's so um, interesting that you talk about this in this way because I am an extremely private person, so I would have a lot of trouble talking about this with someone else, even if they were going through it, you know, just because I have like, I hold these things close to me. So I also think that supportive mechanisms can also be about somebody knowing about it, but not even asking you about it, just making the space, just having somebody that knows about your journey. Say you're, you would tell your parents, just them knowing, okay, but don't ask me any questions, like that's it. That's could be good enough support for me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Totally. It's so important. The great part is that everyone knows what they need. So right. figuring out what you need in order to feel supported, I think that's key. Because I remember I told my family and no one asked me about it ever. And I felt yes. so alone until Lindsay and I started speaking. And I, I sort of later on realized I should have told them that I needed them to talk to to me about this in order to feel supported through the process. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that. I love how everybody has an individual way of being. And like the, the, the key is to find your way, find which way works for you. Right. And find then your way and then tell people, you know, like that there is that like, like, I mean, how many times have we talked about the Sundays that like with your partner, you know, when we just like expect them to know, you know, like that never goes well. So, so I always just like that here. It's like, as soon, if, if you can identify what it is that you need, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, like if it's um, what you were describing in Nice, or if it's, you want to talk about it all the time, it really doesn't matter. It's whatever you need, but then tell those people around you so that they can best support you. Otherwise mm-hmm. they don't know, you know, and what they might think to do might be exactly the opposite of what you Actually, exactly. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, like, I got I the chills when you. Yeah, no, I got the chills when I think, it, yeah, when you were like, oh, we used to text each other all day. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that sounds terrible to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, high, right? But like, I would totally be texting her. Yeah. So yes, that's yes, yes. important to, to tell people. Yeah. we'll be right back after this hi everyone thanks for listening to our episode we are so grateful this episode is sponsored by mini miosh mini miosh was founded by toronto mom and entrepreneur Alyssa kerbel in 2008 as a premium sustainable basics line for babies and kids for the past 12 years, Mini Miyosh has focused on making the best mini basics. Super soft, comfy, timeless, sustainably and ethically made wardrobe staples that can be passed along from child to child, regardless of gender. Mini Miyosh believes in the fewer are better mentality and investment pieces. Yes, even when it comes to kids' clothing. They're on a mission to leave the planet better for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts you can find the company online at www.minimiosh.com follow them on ig at minimiosh and use the code after 30 for 15 percent off of your order and that's after 30 the word we'll put it all in the show notes and we hope you enjoy
Um, okay. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so you talked about the benefits of taking care of your mental well-being. You said that, you know, it might encourage me to go again and go for another cycle, sort of give you that sort of that resilience, I suppose you could say, mm-hmm. right? Like when you kind of have good memories and you've talked things through and you have your mechanisms and your support mechanisms and factors in place. What are some other physiological factors that people don't really know about um, that could be beneficial in terms of when we take care of our mental well-being and fertility and infertility? Well, I think that it's, you know, as simple as, you know, so as a nutritionist, I've been working with people with their stress for, you know, I was in private practice for almost 12 years and stress manifests in different ways for different people. I mentioned for me that it manifests as gastrointestinal upset and fatigue, but for other people, it creates, um, you know, lack of concentration and motivation. It can impact sleep. It can cause weight gain or it can Mm -hmm. cause them to, you know, not eat enough and just sort of, you know, like their, their appetite goes down. So stress manifests in so many different ways. So, you know, and, and a very, very, very simplistic part of it is that stress alters our hormones. Oh. Um, and hormones are a pretty important when it comes. Part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what do you mean? Tell us more about that. How, like, what, how does stress impact our hormones? <laughs> right. So, I mean, just as simple as like when you, so cortisol is a hormone that is released when you are stressed. Okay. Uh, this all is just not, it's not in its own loop. It's, it's connected to other things. It, it drives other things. It, 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 it's in a fine balancing act with other hormones. So for example, if, you know, if you're stressed, chronically stressed, because you're going through mm. treatments for several years, then your levels of cortisol may be sky high. So there's right off other really important hormones like progesterone, estrogen, things that are very important for, um, you know, those crucial times in the conception process. So, I mean, that's like, that's like the, you know, the high level piece of it, but there's so many symptoms that are involved. The hormones are um, altered. And I had mentioned that some people gain weight when they're stressed. Well, we know from the literature that um, having um, high body fat or super low body fat also impacts your ability to get pregnant. So okay. not only are maybe your hormones not, you know, firing, if you will, at the right times of the month, you may be putting on weight. And so mm-hmm. your body is less likely to conceive and maybe you're super exhausted. So you're not really eating and t- taking the time to cook healthy meals, you just doing the takeout thing. And because you're so tired, you know, you, you aren't making the time to get to your maybe appointments that you need to get to, or you're not making the time to be as active. And I'll let Lindsay speak to that because that's her element or her aspect. Mm -hmm. You're not making the time to become active, which we also know is a huge part of supporting fertility. So there's so everything's so interconnected. And I think it's that fine balance. Right. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways, like body yeah. fat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are some people who um, 
you know, haven't exercised properly in a while. <laughs> um, but the or research does show that regular moderate exercise can help fertility. But then there's the other side of things where there's people who, you know, are exercise fanatics and maybe they just love it or they use it as a stress relief. But high intensity exercise, on the other hand, can also be a detriment to your um, goal to try to conceive. So okay. trying to find that balance and to me, exercise has always been a form of stress relief. Um, mm, you know, I have a yeah. big meeting <laughs> coming up during the day and I'd go for a run in the morning or, mm. um, you know, I just, I love exercise and, and that's my outlet for stress. But during fertility treatments, which was the most stressful thing that I've been through, you can't always exercise, at least in the way that I was used to. Mm. And, but I still needed that physical release and, mm. Um, you know, we have women who talk to us all the time, they're marathon runners, or they're, you know, big CrossFit fans, and they want to be able to exercise because for them, that's something enjoyable. And, you know, yeah. a lot of joy is stripped out of your life during this awful journey, or they find it a, a stress relief. And so mm -hmm. helping them find ways to continue to use exercise, but safely during a fertility treatment cycle can really help improve um, their outlook. Their results, right? Okay. I've also read that meditation really helps with cortisol levels. And I'm interested in knowing, like, is that something that you work with? Or are there any, any, is there any information that you have on something like that with regard to hormone regulation? Yes, the, the research that I had mentioned before with the mind um, body program and supporting um, ultimately the fertility outcome had mm. uh, shows that um you know connecting with your mind and utilizing mindfulness tools like meditation or positive visualization um can be very helpful to people and you know there are points in your fertility journey where the what ifs just spiral out of control well you know what if yeah. this cycle doesn't work or what if we don't get this funding or what if this my body doesn't react or i only have one follicle now and what if by this day it's just like mm -hmm. not never ending yeah. nonstop, and That's trying right. to find an option for you that quiets or at least turns the volume down on some right. of those what ifs. So for some yeah. people, it might be, you know, a gentle yoga flow for others. It might be meditation. Some people find positive affirmations really work for them um, or positive visualizations. Mm -hmm. And so one element that we have helped women with is um, providing them with specific positive visualizations at key points in their cycle so for example if you're going through IVF um, you know you can picture the follicles getting bigger more of them maturing nice. um, oh, nice. once they okay. transfer the embryo um, most clinics will give patients an actual photograph of that embryo so you can look at it and you can picture it implanting in the lining of yes. your uterus and growing stronger and instead of allowing your mind to spin off into all of those horrible what ifs you can try mm -hmm. to focus it on um, what you would like the outcome to be hmm. I love yeah. that that's incredible that's great there's such a scientific piece right there's such a scientific piece about like if I do a then I get b if I do b then I get c although we know that a leads to b like that's the science of it right but then there's also an unknown component of you actually don't know if a leads to b if I do this then this will happen so yeah. I really appreciate the fact that there are tools to enhance the chances of a doing a and then b happening well, that's exactly why we, we designed our programs, because we didn't feel like we had those types of tools, those tools to help us 
better get from A to B when we were going through our journeys. We were like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I asked my doctor at one point, like, is there anything I should be eating? And I'm a nutritionist and I was asking my yeah. doctor. And she's like, no, like, you know, just do thing. And Lindsay also <laughs> asked her doctor what types of exercise to do. And her doctor said, don't do anything. So, I mean, those aren't, those aren't everybody's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like we, we are loving the reproductive sure. endocrinologist doctors that all these clinics have and that we're working with. But unfortunately, the resources are not out there readily for women who are going through this process. So we wanted to create really easy, usable and digestible nutrition, fitness and mental well-being guides, programs mm-hmm. for the specific stage that women are in. So if they're going through IVF and they're going through the retrieval surgery and the transfer, they have exactly what I got to eat, how I should move and what I should be thinking for those times. And nice. if you know, we really wanted to create that, that resource to help them feel like they're taking control of a situation that a lot of the time feels very uncontrollable and very uncertain. Right. Of course. We could talk so much, um, and we actually will because we're having you back for a second episode, but let's talk a little about mindfulness tools that you guys um, work with now. I know we've touched on it a little bit, um, but really what you find has worked with um, some of your clients and for yourselves uh, personally to, to really help out in this time. We really encourage women to experiment with different um, tactics because what's going to work for me might not work for you. And so our programs provide um, some nice gentle yoga flows with some meditation options throughout, and that might work for somebody. We provide um, options to try different forms of meditation. Some people prefer to do it silence in the dark. Some people like to light a candle. Others have, you know, some soothing music they might play in the background. Um, For some, really finding those mantras that work for them and repeating it. So, you know, waiting for that fertility doctor to call you at 2 p.m. with your blood results. Maybe you're going to, you know, repeat that mantra in your mind as you're waiting for the call as opposed to breaking down in the middle of the office and crying on the floor. Mm. Um, Or positive visualizations. For me, um, positive visualizations were really important. And that was a way that I could stop my mind from spiraling was I would picture whatever I wanted my body to be doing at that time. And that was a tactic that really worked for me, but it's trial and error. Um, Mm -hmm. Michelle and I often recommend this song, Long Time Sun. Oh, I love it. I don't even... Sorry. You know (laughs) it? We should pull it into the episode, Anise. We'll edit it in. (laughs) I didn't think anyone knew that song about Lindsay. I know. Even now. I'm a a Kundalini yoga teacher. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. Even now when I play that song, like I can feel everything slowing down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But truthfully, making some association with something that does help calm yourself down. So maybe it's a special scented candle or playing long time sun Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, going through a specific yoga flow. 
whatever it is where you are practicing calming yourself down, then when you are really anxious or the what ifs are spinning out of control and you use that tool, you can immediately, you know, feel your heart rate starting to slow down or maybe the sweat dries a little bit on your forehead or whatever your stress really, or your, you know, your, how you're exhibiting stress. It's true. Um, when you make that connection with what your tool is, it can really help you um, at any moment that you need it. It's so true. Yeah. It's awesome. Add that like stress, like the risk, the, what we do to calm ourselves down, actually our body learns. Mm-hmm. So the more we do it, the more our system would actually respond to whatever that is. So it's when they say practice makes perfect, it's actually um, the case mm-hmm. in this um, example. And it's really great because, you know, at the time, by the time you reach 30, you already have some self-soothing techniques that you've banked. You already have an understanding of like how you soothe yourself, how you take care of yourself and how you actually parent yourself, I would say. So when you encounter a scenario where you're experiencing infertility and you're going in and out of the clinic and doing X, Y, Z, I think it's really interesting. You can actually pull from this place, this pool, this memory bank to know not only what soothes you, but like you were saying, to practice and to really go for that area of like, these are things that I've done in the past to calm myself. So why wouldn't they work now? I guess we just forget in the grand scheme of things when we're extremely stressed out, especially when it's a stress this high, because I mean, the stakes are high. You're, you're, you're looking to grow your family. There's, it's just such a big deal on your shoulders that um, you, you forget, you forget what you already know as well. Right. Right. Exactly. And just going like just quickly touching back on how big of a deal it is. And Lindsay may be able to quote this better than me, but there is a study that shows that women going through infertility are going through a, the same amount of stress as a woman um, going through um, cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, ladies, I think we, we like to actually end usually with a bit of a wrap question. Mm-hmm. So we would like to ask you what was the best thing that you did you each did for your mental health on your fertility journey anything else you haven't maybe touched on for me it was the culmination of the tools that i found so we had gone through countless cycles and ivf before the one that eventually led to our son and that last round you know having the two to three tools that i could turn to Um, And knowing that I was doing everything that was in my power from a fitness, nutrition, um, mental health, well-being Mm -hmm. to support my fertility journey, in addition to the medical side with the injections and all the rest of it. But it kind of took that, you know, is there something else I should be doing worry out of my mind? I'm doing everything I can. (laughs) I'm taking care of myself the best way I can. You know, I'm just going to have to... (laughs) let the cards fall as they will be then and it it took away it took away part of the anguish um Mm. and gave me a little bit of peace Mm. and then you know I'd blast my longtime son and feel a little bit better (laughs) it it sounds silly but we really bonded over the experience and and then became business partners from that um and for me (laughs) having someone to vent to and chat with on a daily basis as it turned out um, was my saving grace. I found the process to be um, very overwhelming and I didn't, I wasn't able to grab onto my tools as well as I would have liked to kind of in retrospect, but I do know that having someone to talk to on a daily basis was invaluable. And to this day, I still, I call Lindsay my angel because 
Uh, she she really pulled me through that process with my dignity intact because I don't know if I would have been able to do it had I not had that support system from her. So so that for me is a big one. Wow. To have an angel in your corner. Um, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your powerful stories. To our listeners, tune in next week for part two of this series as we dive deeper into the body, focusing specifically on living a chemical-free life, endocrine disruptors, and how to best support you. In the meantime, visit their resources at mymindbodybaby.com and follow them on Instagram at mymindbodybaby. My Mind Body Baby is offering our listeners 30% off of any of their programs with the code after 30 and we'll put everything in the show notes for you to take a look at we'll see you next well we'll hear you and chat with you next week um thank you so much for being here ladies thanks for listening everybody thanks we really appreciate it so good to have you you guys have a great weekend take care you guys